What's up, everybody? My name is Shane Kohler, and this is The Conscious Love Show. Thanks so much for joining me here, where each week I'm sharing true-to-life insights and experiences from my journey and how I've created the loving and committed partnership I have today. I answer your questions and have live discussions with you so I can support you in your specific situation. And I bring in experts and people who know their stuff so we can all learn from their perspectives. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you'd leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love. All right, welcome everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Conscious Love Show. Very excited to be back. I've been on vacation for the last week or so, so I've been excited to get up and record this today, get on Instagram with all of you, and I just dive back into it. You know, it always feels good to get back into it after you've been away for a little while. Um, what I wanted to talk about in today's episode is the idea of letting go of instant gratification and opening up to something more than that. Letting go of this need to have something happen right now letting go of this need to like have it be done already and really be present to the experience that you're experiencing in between the highs. So most of us, most people are kind of chasing a high. We're kind of chasing those good feelings. We're chasing the way we want to feel. And most of us have been subconsciously programmed throughout our life that if I feel good, things are good. And if I feel bad, things are bad. And we're always trying to get rid of the bad feelings and get into the good feelings. This is actually a horrible approach to life. It's a horrible approach to life and we all do it and we haven't been taught anything different. You know, when we were children and we threw a tantrum or we were upset or we were crying or or whatever it might have been, you know, most of our caretakers didn't sit with us and tell us how to process these difficult emotions, tell us what to do with them. We have not been taught how to be with discomfort. In fact, throughout our lives, we've been shamed for discomfort. You know, when you're not feeling good, when you're not comfortable, when you're not able to be at your best, people around you generally don't want anything to do with you. And of course, we might have some loving friends or loving parents or a loving partner who cares about us and wants to be there for us. But the world at large, when you're not feeling good, doesn't want anything to do with you. And this is a kind of social programming that we've all been indoctrinated into that when I feel good, things are good. And when I feel bad, things are bad. And one, that's just not true. That's just not true. Like some of the worst feelings or worst feeling times I've ever had in my life have been times of immense growth, immense expansion, times that we're calling in or inviting in something amazing, something beautiful, something, you know, new. And sometimes when we're opening up to something new, there's actually a process of transitioning from the old life to the new life. And that transition can be very uncomfortable. So, This mentality of if I feel good, it's good. And if I feel bad, it's bad. And always seeking for that instant gratification to make, to get me out of my experience, to make the bad feelings go away and make the good feelings come. 
That is what we're going to talk about today. Many of you um, are familiar with my program, Inspired Love, which, by the way, I wanted to let everybody know today, um, we're going to be opening for enrollment again in January. Lots of you have been sending me messages on Instagram asking when it's going to be open for enrollment again, and I've been getting emails about it. So I just want to let everybody know that uh, we're going to open for enrollment in January, and we're actually going to begin right around Valentine's Day. So it's actually going to be a great time to get started. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with my program, Inspired Love, what it is, is it's basically a 12-week education in manifesting love. We talk about everything from healing your trauma to releasing your shame to the wounded parent archetypes and attachment styles to um, how to actually meet people in the real world, how to use dating apps effectively, uh, the mindset and the preparation around dating and how to, how to get yourself out there in the right way, how to make connections with the right people. So, you know, all of this is what we cover in Inspired Love. And it, like I said, it's, it's basically a 12-week comprehensive education in manifesting love. And we cover everything in that program. But the reason I'm bringing it up right now is because I actually just started writing the Inspired Love book. And my, my aim with this book, I have the first few chapters kind of done, and the aim with this book is really to, to take the program and everything we cover, this comprehensive education, and be able to deliver it within a book so somebody could read the book and get the same value that they would get from taking the program. That's ultimately the goal with this book. But as I've been writing these first few chapters and as I've been kind of you know getting these ideas in the places where they need to be, um, something that has been coming up a lot is this idea of instant gratification, which is kind of what brought it on today and why I wanted to talk about it. So what I actually want to do is I want to share an excerpt from the book. And um, I just want to read a, a piece of what I wrote here, and then we can explore it a little more in depth. So this is what it says. It says, before you can make a decision or take an action, you have a feeling. It's literally the first thing you create around any situation. Like it or not, we are all run by our feelings. Why do we desire things? Because we believe they will make us feel something. Why do we avoid things? Because we are afraid of what they will make us feel. We are all caught somewhere in the middle of this dilemma, chasing the feelings we want and avoiding the ones we don't. Now I'm just gonna read one more little bit here. This chasing, avoiding dilemma is incredibly disempowering and the reason why is that it's all happening unconsciously. Most of us are not aware of why we want the things we want or why we make the choices we make. In general, we are blindly led by our feelings. If I feel lonely, I assume that having a warm body next to me will change that and so I want that person. I want the bad feeling to stop and so I want something to make me feel good to come into my life. And in the majority of cases, most of us don't go any deeper than that. So I want to just I want to just start there for a minute and and just dive into what I wrote there. Because this really is probably our biggest obstacle. What what I'm talking about right now, this is probably our biggest obstacle to manifesting love. And if we can if we can learn how to transcend this obstacle or if we can learn how to be with this dilemma that I'm talking about in a powerful way, we literally have the opportunity to transcend everything that's held us back and, and like skyrocket towards love and everything amazing in life. So let me just dive into what I wrote there for a moment. I said here that I want the bad feeling to stop 
And so I want something that will make me feel good to come into my life. And in the majority of cases, most of us don't get any deeper than that. I remember some times when I was a single person and I remember just like laying in my bed at night, lonely as fuck, like just, just like wanting so badly to have a warm body next to me, just wanting so badly to have someone there to hold and to be with and to just not be alone. And I certainly did my fair share of avoiding those feelings. I certainly did my fair share of getting wrapped up in situationships that were going nowhere just so I wouldn't have to spend another night in bed by myself. Okay, I I have certainly done my fair share of that. But when we do that, there's a dishonoring of ourselves, actually. Because that feeling of loneliness, that feeling that is surfacing in those moments when you're laying in bed at night alone and you just want so badly for somebody to be there with you, that, that loneliness that is surfacing is actually a part of who you are. Now, it, it's not the truest part of who you are. It's not the most authentic part of who you are. But it is the reality of your human experience. It is the reality of who you are. And when we just try to make that go away, when we just look at it like it's wrong and we just want to get rid of it, we just want to make it go away, there's actually a dishonoring of myself in that. Because I, I'm, not, I'm not honoring the experience that is surfacing. I'm not honoring the, the fullness of who I am. I'm not being with myself in all of my experiences. I'm saying that some experiences are valid. When I feel good, when I feel high, when I feel alive, those experiences are valid. And when I don't feel that, it's invalid. That's essentially the message that I send to myself when I just want these things to go away, when I just want these things to stop. And so most of us throughout our lives, and again, we learn this at a very young age. You know, we learn that when we're happy and when we're pleasant and when we behave well, people like us and people want us around. And we learn that when we're not that way, people don't. This starts with our parents. It gets projected onto our teachers and our friends at school and everyone else. And so we, we learn at a very young age to hold shame around negative emotion and to, you know, like ourselves when we experience positive emotion. And anything we experience shame around, we try to avoid. Any, anytime we experience shame, our, our egos just want to repress that. Our egos just want to put that away. And instant gratification is basically what we turn to to make the shame go away. So if I go back to that example of, you know, laying in my bed at night alone, lonely, wishing there was someone there with me, well, what might I do? Like literally in that moment, I might like open up my dating app and start trying to like book a, book a date for the next night or for right now. Like maybe I can meet someone and just get out right now and go find someone. Or maybe I can meet someone tomorrow, or maybe I can get some kind of conversation going that's going to take me out of myself, take me out of my experience and validate me in some way that that this other person out there wants to talk to me. Or I can call up an ex or I can go to a chat room or, you know, all the different things we might do, but all of it is aimed at avoiding the difficult emotion that we're feeling there. I was speaking in a, in a summit yesterday. I was asked to speak in, in the summit about, um, 
manifesting love and having children and things. And, um, and I was saying in the summit that, you know, most people, most people can go out and get themselves involved in some kind of situationship. And, and that's not that difficult to do. Right. Most of us, we can either get on, get on a dating app or get on a, you know, whatever. And, you know, it might take some time. It might not happen immediately, but most of us can go out and find someone and get involved in some kind of situationship. But when we make the commitment to find true love, or when we have the commitment to create a conscious relationship, our approach also changes a little bit. Like rather than trying to avoid my loneliness or escape my loneliness or go out and get involved with the first thing I can find, the first person who, you know, likes me enough to want to be with me, I might actually take some time to sit with the experience. I might actually take some time to sit with what I'm feeling. You know, if the loneliness is there, I might actually just be like, what is this loneliness showing me? What is this loneliness revealing to me? You know, the, the emotion of loneliness or of feeling empty, feeling unworthy, feeling unlovable, those are valid emotions. Those are not things to just be disregarded and brushed under the rug and ignored and, you know, let me go find someone that I can hook up with or that I can text with or that I can talk to that's going to make me feel wanted and, and, you know, allow me to repress those feelings of loneliness, right? Like those things are not things to be avoided or shamed or shunned. Those are valid experiences that are actually meant to be met with love. Those are valid experiences that are actually meant to be, you know, held and honored. And what we actually need to do, and this is where, this is where the instant gratifications of life become so insidious. Because what we actually need to do is we actually need to be with that experience, honor that experience, become comfortable with the uncomfortable get to a place where I can hold the loneliness in my body and not need to run from it, not need to escape it. You know, like, I mean, if you think about the things we do and it's not just, it's not just, I get on dating apps or try to talk to someone or try to go hook up with someone. I mean, those are a couple of ways, but there are a lot of ways we avoid this. You know, we avoid it by watching television. We avoid it by scrolling on social media. We avoid it by shopping online. I mean, how often have you felt bad and got on Amazon and ordered a bunch of shit and all of a sudden you feel better? I mean, like if, if you've done that, for those of you joining me on Instagram right now, just tap that heart a few times. I'm just curious to know how many people have done that. Be honest. It's okay. No judgment here. I just want to know how many people have actually done that where you felt bad, you got on Instagram, you bought a bunch of shit and then all of a sudden you feel better. Yeah. I see the hearts going up right now, right? These are the kinds of things we do to escape ourselves. And look, distraction is not bad overall, okay? Like, I was thinking about this this morning. I'm like, how much distraction is appropriate? Like, I would say maybe 10% of your life, right? Like 10% of your life to spend in distraction, watching TV, you know, I love to play video games, um, you know, like uh, shopping, 
going out with friends, parties, like this kind of stuff. Those are good things. Like those are not bad things, right? I'm not saying to never do those things. But when those things become a crutch, when those things become something we turn to to avoid ourselves, that's when it becomes a problem. And some of you might be wondering, well, Shane, what's the big deal? This is the big deal. The big deal is as long as you're turning to those things to avoid yourself, you can never get to where you want to go in life. You know, if you say, I want a loving, dedicated, committed, intimate, conscious, open-hearted, passionate, deep relationship, and you are not being with the uncomfortable experiences that are surfacing inside of you, you are limiting your ability to create that relationship. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why. I'm going to tell you how this actually works and why that actually limits your experience. Because when you feel that negative feeling, when you feel that fear, when you feel that anxiety, and you, you act out in, in some kind of distracted way, in some kind of way of avoiding the feeling, rather than being with the feeling, you're avoiding it. You are actually, you're programming yourself. You are teaching yourself subconsciously that I am not capable of being with these feelings, that I don't have what it takes to be with these difficult feelings, that essentially I am not enough to be with these difficult feelings. And do you think that impacts your experience of worthiness? Absolutely, right? I'm not enough to be with these difficult feelings translates to I'm not enough for anything for anyone across the board, right? If I am not enough to be with myself, how could I be enough for anyone else? How could I be enough for life? How could I, like, how could I be enough if I'm not even enough to be with myself? And this isn't a conscious, rational process. It's not that we're thinking all these things through and processing them intellectually, but this is a, is a feeling that settles inside of us and it feels like our truth. And then what's going to happen is when you go out and say you meet somebody and maybe you think they're the one, maybe you think it's a great match, maybe you think there's real potential, but then things start to surface in the relationship that are not what you're looking for. If you have not, before you got involved with this person, learned how to be with the uncomfortable experiences that surface inside of you, then you're not going to be able to be who you need to be with this person, right? Like, like when you're in relationship with somebody, there are some things you got to do. You got to talk about what's real. You got to talk about like, like, look, I'm, I'm feeling this. This makes me uncomfortable. You know, certain things you did or said, like, I don't appreciate those things. Uh, I have a certain vision for my life and, and the relationship that I want to create. And I want to talk about that vision with you. I want to see if we can get on the same page about that vision. I want to see if we want the same things. If the relationship reveals that we don't want the same things, I want to be able to walk away from this and, and be able to keep my heart open for somebody who does want the same things, right? Like these are incredibly, incredibly challenging things to navigate. I don't minimize this at all. Like this is incredibly challenging to navigate all of this. And if you have not on your own without this person developed the capacity to be with these difficult experiences within yourself, 
while you're by yourself, when, when the other person isn't even involved. If you haven't done that on your own, what makes you think you're going to be able to do it when this other person is involved? When there's something at stake, like when, when losing somebody is actually at stake here. When it matters more than it has ever mattered before. If you haven't learned to do it on your own, how could you possibly learn to do it when so much is at stake? When it's so emotional, when it's so real, when it's so intense. And so if we spend our lives seeking instant gratification every time we feel bad, and we spend our lives avoiding the difficult experiences that surface inside of us, we are training ourselves to not have what it takes when it really matters. We're training ourselves to be inadequate for what we need to do in the moments when it really, really matters. And so I'll go back to something I was sharing earlier about, like I remember nights as a single person laying in bed by myself and just being lonely as hell and just wishing there was somebody to be there with me, just wishing that I wasn't so alone in life. And you know, this is kind of vulnerable to share, but like, what would I do in those moments? And again, like there was definitely, there was definitely plenty of me distracting myself. Like I'm not going to sit here and pretend I didn't do that to some degree, but to a large degree, I didn't do that. And to a large degree, I was able to sit with these experiences. I would find ways to love myself the way I wished that person would. And like, to be honest, this isn't, this isn't that deep. Like sometimes I would just sit there and hold myself in bed the way I, you know, I imagined I, I would want to hold someone else, or maybe I would sit there and hold my pillow. Right. And of course it's not the same thing. Of course it's not the same thing. But the point is, is that it's, it's doing what I can. It's doing what I can. And it's being with myself in the experience rather than needing to get out of the experience by going and doing something else, going and going out with friends or going and, you know, getting online or, or, you know, different, different things that we could easily do to take ourselves out of the experience. Be willing to sit with the experience. Be willing to let go of that need to make it better right now. Because when I can be comfortable with myself alone in my bed at night and I don't need anybody to be there with me. And yeah, it might be sad sometimes. It might be lonely sometimes, but I don't need to remedy the situation. I don't need to make it better. Well, now I'm dating you and I'm on, I'm getting to know you and I'm in a relationship with you. And when things don't feel so right or when things aren't really lining up the way I might imagine they would, I know in my heart and I know in the back of my mind that if I need to drop this relationship, I know how to lay in, in bed by myself at night. If I need to let this relationship go, I know how to lay in bed by myself at night. I know how to take care of my own needs. I know how to meet my own needs. You know, we'll often recommend, I, I know some of these recommendations seem so cliche and so like, lame, honestly, that, that nobody wants to do them, but they actually, they do have real power. Like 
take yourself out on a date. Why? Because I know that if I need to drop you and drop this relationship, that I can take myself out on a date on a Friday night and have a great time, and that's okay. And when I know this inside of me, it doesn't mean I don't want a relationship. Like, I'm not talking about ultra independence here of like, I don't need anyone. I don't need anything. Screw you. I got this myself. Like, if you know me, you know I'm not about that. I am very much about interrelatedness, interdependence, receiving and giving love mutually. Like, I am very much about that. But there are times in life when we need to be there for ourselves. In fact, I would suggest that a prerequisite to having a, a real conscious, loving, lifetime relationship is learning how to be there for yourself. That is a prerequisite. You know, my wife, um, she, she shares this often, that she would journal. Like when she was alone in bed at night and she was lonely and she wanted someone to be there, she would journal about it. She would journal about her experiences. She would write her experiences out. But rather than trying to get out of the experience, what she was doing was she was going deeper into it. Let me explore the experience. Let me see all the different facets of it. Let me explore how I'm feeling. And something really amazing happens when you're willing to be with a difficult feeling is the feeling actually dissolves. It's, it's, the, it's the craziest thing. And you know, I remember when I, when I really started to work with it like this and I really started to notice, notice this, it blew my mind because I had spent my whole life running from uncomfortable experiences, looking for the little pieces of instant gratification to make myself feel better, to take me out of my experience. And when I really learned to sit with the uncomfortable experience and some of the ways that I learned to do this and I teach people to do this is to Ask yourself, where do you notice the experience in your body? What does it feel like? What size is it? What shape is it? What color is it, right? But you can, you can start to observe the experience inside of yourself. And what I was so amazed was, as I would look and observe the experience in this way, the experience would literally dissolve right in front of me. Like I might be feeling loneliness to such a degree that it was like so painful and I felt so empty and I felt so alone. And then I would sit with that experience and it would just kind of just disappear. And I would be okay. And I would be like, wow. Like the loneliness was actually not a permanent reality. But it was a transient experience that was passing through me. And what I had been doing throughout my life is this experience, this passing experience of being alone or being unwanted or being unworthy or, or whatever it is. But this, this passing experience would surface inside of me and I would immediately avoid it. I would immediately resist it and I would need to turn to something to make it go away. And then what I was doing was I was actually repressing that. But as soon as I started having enough courage to allow it to be there, to allow it to surface, to hold it, to observe it, to sit with it, as soon as I was able to do that, I would realize that the experience didn't last for long. It didn't stay for long. And then actually 
My resistance to it is the thing that keeps it in place. My avoidance of it, my not wanting to be with it is the thing that keeps it in place. And you could do this with anything, right? Let's say you're, let's say you're on a, on a first date or, or you come home from a first date and you're waiting for that person to text you and they don't text you and maybe they don't text you for a few days or maybe they don't text you at all. Maybe they ghost you. Right. And now you're dealing with maybe, uh, you know, I went out, I thought it was a really great date. I thought we had a connection and now this person just never texts me again. They don't, they ghost me. What's wrong with me? Why wasn't I worthy of them? Why didn't they like me? Why, you know, like, right, right. We might be feeling these kinds of experiences. That's the moment where you want to be with it. You see, like, if you think about that, and I'd be interested to see in the comments, if somebody's open to sharing, what do you normally do in a moment like that? I would love to know. What do you normally do in a moment like that when you're waiting for someone to text you and they're not texting you or when you're being ghosted or when you're, when you're feeling that fear? Like, I would just be really curious to know, like, what do you normally do? Do you call a friend and do you run it with your friend? You know, do you, um, like, what are, what are some of the things we do? I mean, again, do you go online? Do you get on social media? Do you get on a dating app? Do you go to the gym and go work out? Do you like, you know, all these, all these things. And it'll, it'll be really interesting for you to notice for yourself what you do when you have those feelings. And if you can, if you can stop yourself from immediately wanting to feel better and be okay with how and what you're feeling in the moment. Stop yourself from immediately wanting to feel better, immediately needing to feel better and being with how you're feeling in the moment and let it pass, let it move, let it transition, let it become something else. Now I'm reading, I'm reading some of the comments here and I actually, I want to say something else. There are two kinds of people, and this is, this is going to be an important part of this conversation as well, because there are two kinds of people. There are what, I'll call, what I will call fire people and what I'll call water people. I actually got this from um, the book Becoming the One. Becoming the One, she talks about fire people and water people, and it's basically two different ways of dealing with emotion, but they're both kind of dysfunctional, right? So I'm, I've always been a fire person, and, and you know, fire, fire people are the repressors. They're the people that hold it back. They're the people that they just kind of brush it under the rug and power forward, right? They operate over it. Then there are water people. Water people are the people who become overwhelmed by it. So it it can, it can feel like the emotion is so big that it like crushes me under the pressure of it. And that can be another way of repressing. I know it, it sounds counterintuitive because you wouldn't think that's repressing when it comes over me and I cry my eyes out and I just I fall into like a deep pit of sadness. But we could say fire people are, are more like anger people. You know, we turn more to anger or more to like, I'm going to get through it. And, and water people are more like they turn to sadness and they just like, 
crumple into just a, a, like a wet puddle, right? Now, one is not better than the other. One is not right. One is not wrong. They're, like I said, they're both kind of dysfunctional because both of them prevent you from working with the emotion in a powerful way. Both of them prevent you from being empowered in the experience. Right, So if I'm repressing it, operating over it, pushing through it, I'm not being with it. But also, if the experience is so big and so overwhelming and I'm like crushed under the pressure and I just turn into a puddle on the floor because it's just so much for me, I'm also not working with the experience because I'm not learning how to hold it. Right, I'm making the experience, so we can say this, the fire person makes the experience too small. They minimize it, they make it unimportant, and they disregard it. The water person makes the experience too big, right, where, where instead of I am bigger than the experience and I'm holding the experience, the experience is bigger than me and I have no power in it. So when I'm working with a fire person, I always encourage them to go deeper, Open your heart, surrender into it. And this is real work for a fire person. You've got to like really like let go and let it come up and it doesn't happen all at once. And you've got to over time become more and more available to it. With a water person, I say the opposite. Not not resist it, but keep it at bay a little bit. Keep it, keep it just, keep it just held back a little bit. Right? So if if it's if it's overwhelming, you know, I say it like this. If, you know, the, the, the water person goes from zero to 100 instantly and there's no in between. So see if you can hold the emotion at like a level 20 or a level 30. If you could think about it like that. Like I let it come on, I let it take over, but then maybe I just take some deep breaths and I just kind of try to keep it at bay. Like t- bring it on in manageable doses. Bring it on in, at a level that I can hold it and I can be with it without losing my groundedness, without losing my conscious center. And then as we, as we start to, it, it's like what I call it is I call it strengthening your emotional core. Strengthening your emotional core. It's your ability to hold challenging emotions. Right? So again, for a fire person, strengthening your emotional core means learning to open up and allow the emotion to be there. For a water person, strengthening your emotional core means learning to slow down the emotion. Instead of having it come on all at once, bring it on in manageable doses. I see somebody here saying, I'm a water person and I've recently learned a lot through meditation, journaling, and listening to intuition. Like that's exactly it, right? So if if the experience is so overwhelming, meditating with the experience is huge because meditating is literally quieting the mind and, and allowing what's present there to surface, right? Allowing what's present in the body to surface. And actually I would say for water and fire people, meditation is one of the great ways to be with your emotional experience where you sit still and you sit quietly you close your eyes, you go inside, so you're not focused on the outside world, you go inside, you turn your attention towards your breath, long, deep breaths in and out help to regulate difficult emotion, right? I've shared this before where 
when our emotion gets very intense and our anxiety gets very high, our breath gets very short. We're like, <sighs> right? That's like, that's like the anxiety in our body. So when you take long, deep breaths in and out, you're actually slowing down the emotional experience. You're bringing it like you're, you're somatically taking charge of the experience, right? When you're reactive, uh, when the reaction in your body wants to become very like short and tight and like, <laughs> like that, when you take control of it and you kind of push through these long, slow breaths in and out, you are somatically in your body taking control of the emotional experience. Um, I saw another thing. Somebody said, what if you're both, what if you're both a fire and a water person? Well, in my experience, people are generally more one or the other. So if you have big water-like experiences, you're probably more of a water person because that never happens for fire people. But what I would say is you've just got to work with what's present in the moment. So if you feel like you're closing down, then just practice opening up. If you feel like it's coming on like the floodgates and you just can't stop it, then like, then practice like calming that and getting control of your experience and just work with what's showing up in the moment. But the point is here, and I want to, I want to bring it back to the topic of the day of letting go of instant gratification, letting go of this need to make ourselves feel better right now. When you feel that pain, that sadness, that anxiety, that fear, that doubt, that emptiness, that unworthiness, when you feel that, don't immediately try to make it feel better. Be with what you're feeling. See if you can actually let it pass. See if you can let it move through you. Now, if you've been sitting with it for 15 minutes and it's not passing, that's okay. Maybe you've gone as far as you can go that day and get up, move on with your life. If it still feels heavy, it still feels heavy and just keep moving. And, and maybe then at that point, it would be okay to go scroll on social media or turn on the TV or, you know, maybe then at that point, after you've sat with it for a little bit, go ahead and distract yourself. You know, I mean, it, it, I don't, I don't think it's particularly helpful to just sit in misery endlessly. Like sometimes it can actually be helpful to distract yourself for a little bit and come back to it later. But don't avoid the experience is my point. Have the willingness to be with it. Have the willingness to feel into it and feel what's there. Because as you do this, you strengthen your emotional core. And I wanted to speak into this as well, because this is actually a big piece of instant gratification. When we're looking for love, and this was definitely me, and, and I like, frankly, I just had to get wiser. Like my, my wife, she, she told me recently, she's like, You're, you've just always been a lover. I was, I was sharing with her that when I was three years old, there were these two girls who lived next door to me and they were like nine or 10 and, and they were like my best friends and they would just come over to my house and hang out with me all day. And, and like the three of us were like, were like best friends. And it, it's just so funny. It's just how I'd been my whole life. But I don't know. It's just, I've always been. I've always loved love. I've always, you know, since, since I experienced it, I just always thought it was the best thing in the world. I always wanted it. I was always like, it's like the, you know, like this is the best thing in life. Like, why wouldn't we all be after this? You know, it's kind of how I always felt about it. Been that way my whole life. And 
you know, in my, in my younger years of seeking love in a very immature way, um, I was very much about, I want it to happen now. And I remember there was a, a friend of mine, her name was Carmen and she was, she was older than me. She was in her, you know, mid forties or something like that. And, uh, but we were really close. We spent a lot of time together and she had a niece and this, uh, if any of these people see this video, it's going to be kind of embarrassing. Oh, well, um, but she had a niece and, and her niece, um, I don't know if there was mutual interest there or not, but I, but I just remember this, like wanting to be with her niece and like asking her niece out and thinking like, man, if I could just get her to want to be with me, that would be it. Like that would be everything I was looking for. It'd be the perfect thing. Now, like I, I just, I'm sharing the story because I want to point out how crazy this all was. I didn't know her niece. What I knew about her niece was that I thought she was attractive and I knew that she was relatively intelligent. You know, she had a, she had a good career and she, and she, you know, was college graduate or whatever. Like, you know, I knew just a few basic things about her. Okay. I knew she was intelligent. I knew she was talented. I knew she was attractive. That was it. And like, here I am going, like, if I could just get her to want to spend the rest of her life with me, that would be amazing. It's like, it's so insane because that is not the way love develops. And going back to the topic of instant gratification, like that's what I wanted. I wanted this instant gratification. I wanted the journey to be over already. I wanted it to be done already. I wanted to be there already. And like, there's, there's nothing wrong with desiring love. There's nothing wrong with that. Like it's, it's actually a very, everybody has it. It's a very beautiful and natural thing. But as we mature, we start to recognize that we need to honor the journey to love and not just want it to be over already. We need to recognize that the journey to love is not just about me getting what I want and living happily ever after but it is actually about me elevating myself into the greatest version of who I can be, right? You see, the, the thing is, like, if I go back to the story I was sharing about Carmen and her niece, and, like, fact is, her niece was way out of my league. That's just the fact of the situation. Where I was in my life at that time and where she was, she was way out of my league. And, you know, like, to... To have her commit to me at that time would have been a disservice to her because she could have had so much better than me. And what I saw in that moment was I would like to be with a woman like that. I would like to have someone like that in my life. But what I needed to learn, and it took me several years to learn this, is that I needed to undergo a personal journey of transformation before I was ready to have someone like that in my life. And again, I don't even really know who she was or how she was, but it was, it was whatever I imagined her to be. Whatever I had projected onto her that I thought she was. Again, I don't know if that was her or not. That, and this is what we all do, by the way. We see somebody we like and we think we know them. You don't fucking know a thing about them. And we project all our dreams and fantasies onto them. And it's, it's like really disrespectful to that person and to ourselves and to everybody involved. It's like, it's a huge dishonoring of, of everyone and everything in the situation. But from an immature place, this is what we do. 
But as we, as we become wiser and as we start to understand what love is and how love works and how love is created, we start to realize that love doesn't happen by just going out and meeting someone and having great chemistry and having a lot of feelings for them and diving into a hot romance together and living happily ever after that, like that is actually not how love is created in most cases. There might be people who get lucky every now and then and that works out for them. But in most cases, that is not how love is created. Love is created with years of preparation. Love is created by me knowing who I am, what my values are, what my principles are, what my vision of a relationship is, what my vision of a partner is and how we'll be with each other and how we'll relate with each other. Then empowering myself to ask for these things, communicate about these things, discern when these things are present and when they're not, having the courage to walk away when these things are not there, having the courage to walk away when I've communicated clearly with someone about what I'm looking for and they've shown me no sincere desire to meet me halfway with those things, right? Like these are all the steps along the way. These are all the prerequisites. Like these, this is all the work that we do becoming the best version of ourselves. And love, like manifesting love, manifesting this amazing lifetime partnership, it's not just going to happen. Like you're not just going to go out tonight and it's just going to happen unless you've been doing the prep work. You've been doing the, the internal work with yourself to be in a place where the next natural thing would be for it to happen. You see, when I met my wife, I mean, I had been on a relentless personal development journey for a decade. And she had been on a relentless personal development journey for even longer. And we met each other actually through a personal development seminar, which I'm not saying you need to go to that to meet somebody. That's just how we met. But there was so much preparation, so much learning, so many failed relationships that had not worked out. And, 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 and let me say this, like relationships that had not worked out and we didn't, myself and my wife, both, we were not bitter about those working, not working out. We were not angry at those people. We were not judging those people. Actually, I want to share this. I want to share this because this is going to blow some people's minds. And, and some of you, you may totally get it, but some of you, this will blow your mind. There was a woman I had been dating for six months. She broke up with me, or it's hard to say she broke up with me. She broke it off, whatever we were doing. She broke it off the day before I connected with my wife. Um, and, and my wife and I started exploring our relationship. And this was a very, very intensely emotional relationship I had with this person. Very much about me wanting things that she could not offer. And her trying to meet me in the ways that she could and it not being enough. And, you know, you, you get the idea. Some of, many of you have been in similar situations, I'm sure. So this was a very intensely emotional situation I was in with this person. And a couple of months into dating my wife, and I really felt like 
wow, you know, there's some real potential here. I have never met someone like this. I have never been able to commute like I've never been able to communicate with someone like this. I've never been able to get on the same page with someone like this. Like it, it was, you know, it was just like what my wife was very, very unique from every, anybody I'd ever dated before. But what I wanted to share is I actually called this person, the person who broke it off with me and I thanked her and I was like, thank you so much for everything you taught me. I was like, I was like, I know in my heart that if I had not gone through emotional hell with you for the last six months, that I would not have the emotional fortitude right now to be who I need to be with this new person I'm dating. And I just want to thank you for being exactly who you were in my life to allow me to work through the things I needed to work through to be ready for the relationship I'm building now. And I, I share that because I want to say that I was not going through relationships being bitter when they didn't work out. I wasn't. I was going through relationships being grateful when they didn't work out, being grateful for the time we shared, being grateful for everything I learned, being grateful for, I mean, being grateful for all of it and also feeling the pain, feeling the sadness, feeling the loss feeling the rejection when somebody didn't want to be with me or feeling the sadness of me choosing that I didn't want to be with someone and feeling the sadness of letting down somebody I genuinely cared about. Right. So, so I learned this and you know, yes, I, I had done a lot of personal development work and, and it had all, it had all amounted to this to some degree. And then to another degree, this was all intuitive for me. This was me intuitively understanding who I needed to be to create love. And me understanding that any amount of bitterness I was holding on to or any amount of grudge or judgment or anything I was holding on to about people from my past was keeping, was disconnecting the love being alive in the moment. And I had to let that go. So all of this, it's, you know, there's a, what I'm, what I'm getting at here is there is an honoring of the journey. I see some questions coming in, somebody talking about um, being scammed and things like that. So I, I appreciate these questions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to these in a moment. So just hang tight with that. Um, but what I'm saying is there is an honoring of the journey and everything that comes on it. There is an appreciation and a gratitude for the journey and everything that comes on it. And there is a, without, without honoring it in that way, without surrendering to it in that way, it's not going to happen. And just running around seeking the instant gratification, wanting things to just get better, all the time, wanting thing, wanting the journey to just be over, wanting me to just find it already and live happily ever after already. So I never have to be lonely again, which by the way, when you get into a relationship, it's not like you're never lonely again. Sometimes you're lonely in your relationship and you've got to find your way back to each other. And that's life. That's love. That's how it works. And all of the experiences that you go through preparing for love 
are the things that are teaching you and giving you the skills that you need to create that relationship. And there are no accidents. So I'm going to go back to the question in a moment, but if you got scammed, well, there are no accidents. And I don't condone that kind of behavior. I don't support that kind of behavior. I, you know, I do everything in my coaching to support people with knowing what is a scam and what is not. But if that happened to you, honor that as a part of your journey and find out what there is to learn in that, how you can grow through that, how you can be better because of that experience. And when you become better because of that experience, you'll be grateful for the person who gave you that experience because you could have never been who you are now without them. You know, I mean, I like I've had narcissistic relationships. I, I mean, my dad is a narcissist. Um, I, I lived with him for four or five years, went through all kinds of abuse. Do I condone the kind of behavior that my dad uh, presented? No, absolutely not. Do I think it's okay to be that way with a child? No, absolutely not. Would I ever replicate that? No, absolutely not. Am I grateful that I went through that? Absolutely. Absolutely. You see, if I had not had the father that I had, if I had not grown up in a narcissistic house and, you know, been walking on eggshells, like terrified for when my dad would walk in the door at night, didn't know if he was going to walk in and be Mr. Happy-go-lucky or be Mr. Starts throwing shit around the house. Like if I had not gone through that, I could not be doing what I do right now. Like the life I have today, the marriage I have today, the career I have today, the abundance I have in my life today, in a huge way, I have my dad to thank for it, probably more than most people, more than most anyone else in my life. That might be a stretch, but I, but I have him to thank for it to a large degree. And this is all the process. This is all the journey of learning from our challenges, learning from our suffering, allowing our suffering to transform us and make us better. And from that place, creating what we want to create in our life. All right, so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some questions now. After a year of this guy saying he wants to be with me and then still trying to sort the stuff out, he's damaged, so can't give me an answer to commit. What do I do with this? Um, I mean, on that one, I think you got to follow your heart. And I'm just going to give you a short answer. I was in a relationship with somebody that was going nowhere. And it was, it was about a year and a half I was with this person. Nice woman, good heart. We had some fun together. You know, I have nothing bad to say about her, about our relationship, or about anything. Nothing bad to say about anything. But she was a good woman, good heart, nice person. And I knew basically from day one, that this relationship was going nowhere. I knew that in my heart. I could have chosen not to get involved with her, but I did. Why? Instant gratification. She was right there right now. I had no intention of spending a year of my life with her, but it happened. It was one of my biggest lessons. But what I wanna say in, in response to this question you know, you've been with this person a year. 
Um, he's not willing or able to offer you what you're looking for. You know, when something is not right, and the reason I shared that story is because that whole time, that entire year from day one, I had a feeling inside that I knew I would not marry this person. I knew we would not be together. I knew it would not work out. And this feeling inside was so strong. And I did everything I could to avoid it. I did everything I could to justify, to rationalize, to explain away, to on and on and on. Like I did everything I could to stay in this relationship. Instead of just honoring the profoundly loud truth that was speaking inside of my heart. And so that's what I think you've got to do. You've got to connect to that profound truth that is in your heart. And it's there, I promise. It, it, it's never not there. But if you don't see, going back to the topic of instant gratification, if you would rather have someone in your life right now than surrender to the profound, transformative, challenging journey of creating true love, of creating a conscious relationship, then you will not hear the truth that is speaking inside of you. You will explain it away. You will justify it. You see, that's what I did for that whole year and a half. See, I wanted the instant gratification. I wanted to be with someone now. I wanted to have someone to go on trips with, to take to parties, to watch movies with, to talk to, to be wanted by. That's a big one. I wanted someone who wanted me. Selfish? Absolutely. Selfish as fucking hell actually. I'll own it. That's who I was at the time. That was where my level of consciousness was at the time. I didn't know any better. But when I got to a place, and it was actually, um, I, I ended up doing a weekend seminar that was very transformative. It kind of changed, took my, from the moment I did that seminar, kind of took my life in a whole new direction. First thing I did after that seminar was end that relationship. Why? because I got honest with myself and I was ready to have what I really wanted. And I would actually say, you know, if I hadn't done that seminar, I could have married that person, to be honest with you, because that's where I was willing to operate from at that time in my life. That's what I was willing to settle for at that time in my life. So your truth is there. Your truth is always there. You cannot lose it, but it's just a matter of wanting to hear it or not. If you want to hear it, you will. If you don't want to hear it, you won't. All right, I hope that answers your question. Get in touch with your heart. Listen to what it says. Follow that. Lots of love. I know that's a difficult situation. Um, okay, I want to scroll down here. Um, I was scammed at the beginning of COVID. Due to my kind nature, I wanted to believe in the goodness of people. However, I'm skeptical. How can I open up without too much worry uh, without being too weary for a potential and a future partner. This is good. I actually love this question. Um, thank you, Caroline, uh, Caroline Benner for asking the question. Um, it's funny. I, 
I wanted to actually speak about this today. So no accident, you're asking a question because we were, uh, we were in South Florida, my wife and I, we were visiting some friends and I used to live down there. We go down and visit friends and things. And, um, we were having dinner with some friends over the weekend and they were talking to us about, uh, these Netflix documentaries. I, I haven't seen them, but I guess there's like the Tinder swindler. And then there's the, uh, the bad vegan was another one about, um, this uh, restaurant owner in New York city who got scammed by this guy who was just master manipulator scammed her out of like $2 million. And he did it over, you know, by pretending he loved her. And, you know, like this stuff is scary. I get it. Like this stuff is scary. Um, I, I don't, I don't think it's super common, but it definitely is common enough that it can happen. Um, so, you know, your question, Caroline, is how can I open up without being too weary of, of a potential partner? And, and that's a valid question. And this stuff is scary. And I, I actually think it ties into the topic of instant gratification. You know, we were... Um, some of those same friends were saying that they, they had a friend who something similar had happened to the friend. And when they were talking to the friend, she said that, you know, I was just so infatuated with the person that I, that I didn't want to look at the red flags, even though they were there. And I, I, I have to believe, obviously I can't be in every situation and know every detail but I have to believe that the signs are there. And we can be very good at operating over the signs or ignoring the signs or not wanting to see the signs. And, you know, I want to go back to what I, what I started with. If you, if you cannot be with the uncomfortable experiences with yourself, the way we were talking about at the beginning, right? I was talking about, you know, when you're lonely in bed at night and you want somebody to be next to you and to hold you, you know, like be with that experience, right? Because as you be with that experience, you strengthen your emotional core. And then when you're dating someone and there's a red flag there, you know, it's like, I don't necessarily want the relationship to end, but I'm also very aware that I'm perfectly capable of being alone. And so I don't need you. It is vitally, vitally important when you're dating to be able to operate from that place. Like, I want everybody to hear this. You need to be able to walk away. If, if you cannot walk away, you're fucked. And I say that with love. If you cannot walk away, you're screwed. You are in big trouble because you're going to meet someone. You're going to have feelings for them. And you're going to get roped in and they're going to take you for a ride. You have to be able to walk away. You have to. And so, so that, is, that is the first thing I would say in, in response to Caroline's question is you can be open because you're in the position of power. You have the opportunity to make all the choices about your life. You know, I remember... Um, and I don't know what, I don't know how you were scammed or what exactly happened, but you are the only person who can make choices about your life. You're the only person who can direct your life. And, you know, like if, if we look at some of these scams and what, 
and how they, how they work. Like usually it involves somebody at some point asking for money, right? So they, they get you infatuated. You develop strong feelings. They promise you the world. You know, some of them say they're a millionaire or they're, you know, whatever. They have all their money in an overseas account. They just can't access it, whatever their story is, right? And, you know, like if, if this is me in the situation, I'm looking at this person going, okay, like what are, how are millionaires like? You know, if this person is a millionaire, then they know other millionaires, then they know people with money. Their family has money. Like if they need some money, they can probably get it. They don't need to ask me for it, right? Like if this person is really a millionaire and their money's just tied up in an overseas account, well, they should have lots of people they can get money from. They don't necessarily need it from me, right? I remember I, I said this uh, when we were talking, I said this to my wife because when I started dating my wife, my wife was highly financially successful and I was not, okay? I was, I was um, in the middle of getting my education. I was basically a college student. I wasn't in college, but I was in a certification program to, to, uh, to deliver these trainings. And I was investing every penny I had in my education. And I was traveling a lot. And I was like, I mean, I was just, that's where I was in my life. My wife, on the other hand, had been working for over a decade, been saving money. She had had a very, um, you know, very successful career. And so she was very financially established. And when we started dating, I did not ask her for money or anything, even one time. And, and on my limited budget, we were, we were long distance. I would book tickets to go visit her in New Jersey. I lived in South Florida. She lived in New Jersey. I would book tickets to go visit her on my limiting budget and never once asked her to help. You know, we would plan trips together. And yes, she was more financially stable than me, so she could contribute what she could, or you know, and I could, and I would contribute what I could. And yes, she would contribute more than me, but I would always be like, "Listen, this is what I have. This is what I can contribute." And the reason I'm saying this is because that's how someone shows up. You know, when it feels too good to be true, it probably is. When it feels off, it probably is. You know, like when it comes to when it comes to getting scammed or you know, someone asking for money, like you've got to see this is what I would this is what I would say is do I want to be in a relationship with someone who needs my money? You know, it's really interesting. Like my wife had a lot more money than I did but I didn't need her money with or without it. I was okay. And it's not about how much we had, but it's about, do I need her money or am I, am I stable on my own? And so a question I would ask that this would probably protect most people from most scams is I don't want to be in a relationship with someone who needs my money. That's a deal breaker for me. And I'm not saying they need to be rich, but I'm just saying that I don't want to be with someone who needs my money. I want someone who is stable on their own. And if somebody needs money from me, that's a deal breaker. But again, to even be able to stand in that place, you have to be able to walk away. And so I would say, and again, I, I know this was only one question, but for anybody who might be struggling with this kind of suspiciousness or fear or doubt about how to trust people or, you know, all these different things. 
Get yourself to a place where you are able to walk away when it's not what you want. And that'll protect you from everything. You know, I... Yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that because, you know, that's... That's it. That's it. You know, you've got you've to be able to meet someone, experience them, get to know them, feel them out, allow the relationship to unfold and make a conscious decision about if I want to move forward with this or not. You have to be able to do that. And if any time you connect with somebody, you're basically hooked until they let it go. You're in big trouble. You're in big trouble. And, you know, I I say this with love and compassion and commitment to you having the most amazing life that you deserve to have. You will not find love that way. Being able to leave is a prerequisite to finding love. I firmly believe that. I did it many times. My wife did it. It's a prerequisite. All right. So I hope that helps. Uh, Caroline, I see you said thank you. Lots of love to you. Um, anybody else who has the question or similar question, lots of love to you. Um, all right, let me see. I have about 15 minutes here. I'll take a couple more questions. Okay, so I'm going to take Lydia's question first. Uh, it says, how do I say no to someone you were in a relationship with but who dropped you like a hot potato for someone else who now is dumped and alone and coming back to me? I still want to be friends. So... I want to I want to take this question because this is there's a lot here, right? My first question would be why do you still want to be friends? Like you don't have to hate the person. You know, you can be great like I said, you can be grateful for what they taught you. You can be grateful for the experiences you shared and, and what you gained from it and what you learned from it. But you know, somebody who dumped you like a hot potato for someone else. I mean, that's not necessarily somebody I would want in my life. Like, you know, you left me for someone else and and now you want to come back. And like, also like, I doubt this person just wants to be friends. Like, what this sounds like is a person who is only out for themselves, Right? They want you when you're available, when someone else is available, they want them. Now that person isn't available, they want you back. But this person is only out for themselves. And so you've got to wonder, like, why why would I invest so much in someone who's only out for themselves? And the answer is because, going back to where we started, there's something you don't want to feel now And there's something you think you're going to feel by being friends with this person. Now, I'll just be, I'm just going to call it out, Lydia, and and know that I say this with love. Like, I don't think you want to be friends. I think you're saying you want to be friends because that is, that is a reasonable way to step your foot back into the relationship. But I think what you really want is to have what you had with that person before. And... You're hoping that, and again, you may not have thought this out this thoroughly, but I'm, I'm very aware of what's operating in the subconscious for people. 
Okay, so you may on the surface in, in the conscious mind be saying, I want to be friends. And now I'm telling you what's going on in the subconscious. Okay, conscious mind says, I want to be friends. Subconscious mind says, maybe if we're friends, we'll spend some time together and I'll see that they've changed. I'll see that they're different. And maybe it could actually work out this time. And so the friendship is a way of kind of tiptoeing into maybe we can get back what we had, but better, right? Maybe we can get back what we had, but better because this time he won't, he won't drop me like a hot potato. Well, it's not going to be what you had, but better. It's going to be what you had and it's going to happen the way it happened again. And what I would encourage you to do right now, Lydia, or for anyone else who's in a similar situation, and like, I get it. I remember when you got on today, the first thing you said is you're feeling sad. So lots of love to you. I get it. You're feeling sad. And this is tough. It's tough stuff. Rather than reach out to him to make you feel better right now, to make the sadness go away, Reach out to yourself for that. Reach out to yourself for that. Say, hey, like, how can I love myself right now? How can I be for myself the things that he wouldn't be for me? How can I give myself the kind of love that he wouldn't give me? Because when you go back to him, what you're doing is you're treating yourself the same way he treated you. And let that sink in. If you take him back, you're treating yourself the same way he treated you by opening yourself up for that treatment again. And what you've ultimately got to realize, Lydia, or again, anyone else who's in a similar situation, the only reason you would go back to him is because you don't believe that you're worthy of someone better or you don't believe that somebody better is possible for you you don't believe that's available to you. And so because you don't believe that that could happen, you don't believe that's realistic, you're willing to take this instant gratification, this little hit of validation that says, I want you right now. Yes, as soon as somebody I perceive as better comes along, I'm going to drop you like a hot potato and go out with them. But at least I'll make you feel a little bit better for today. I'll validate your ego for today. And if you are willing to accept that in place of true love, then you are treating yourself the same way he's treating you. And, you know, what I want to say is like, love is not that scarce, but it is that scarce when you operate within that paradigm. I saw another question and I'll just speak into this right now because it fits. Someone was asking, you know, how do we meet people, especially if we work from home and you meet people by following your passion. I cannot stress this enough. When I met my wife, I was not out trying to meet someone. I was out living an awesome life. I was doing things that filled me up. I was making the best of myself. I was literally thinking every day, like what is the most full expression of life I could possibly have? And I was finding ways 
to live that. Whether it was taking trips, whether it was participating in programs and, and things that were exciting for me, whether it was, you know, being involved in a spiritual community that, that filled me up in that way, whether it was reading and studying and educating myself. You know, it's funny. A lot of, a lot of single people, this might not be all of you, but a lot of single people are so busy going out trying to meet someone. I spent a lot of time as a single person, home alone, reading A Course in Miracles. Literally wanting to understand how my own ego operates, which A Course in Miracles, some of you know, is a, a big part of my life. It's something I've been studying for years. It, everything I teach about the ego comes from A Course in Miracles. And I literally, as a single person, spent most of my nights home alone reading A Course in Miracles. Because the most important thing to me was understanding how my ego operates so it wouldn't run my life anymore. And... You know, like I wasn't worried about meeting someone because I met people all the time because I was out doing things that I loved. And, you know, like I remember I, I, there was this woman, attractive woman, intelligent woman, like really, you know, high value woman, amazing woman. And I tried to get her to go out with me for like months. You know, we were like texting and she was busy and she was traveling and I was like, I was like, listen, you know, I know you're busy, but if, if when you're in town, like, just let's go out. Like, I'd love to take you out to dinner. And like, a after a while, she was finally like, okay, let's go to dinner. And I went out to dinner and I'm like totally infatuated. And I, uh, you know, after dinner, after dinner, I, I drove her back to her house. We sat, at, we sat in her house for a little bit and had coffee or whatever. And then I went home and I get home and we're texting and I, I was like, I really like you, you know, I, I really, I really, I'm really feeling this, you know, I really, I really would, you know, I hope you feel the same. I'd like this to go somewhere. And she just like, was like, uh, -uh. she's like, listen, you're a really nice guy. I really enjoyed our time together, but I'm just not feeling the same way. And like, man, like it hurts to feel that it hurts to feel that. But that's when you've got to be there for yourself. That's when you've got to be there for yourself. And I remember I was like, oh, God, after like months of trying to get her to go out with me and we finally go out and then, oh, and you know, and that's when you've got to be there for yourself. And, you know, I remember that night, like being there for myself, sitting with that experience and it hurt and it sucked. I was like, man, like why, why wasn't I enough? Like, you know, I was, it's like I was, you know, I thought I did everything right and whatever. And like, why wasn't I enough for this person? And I remember having the awareness come alive inside of me that night. It's, it's, it's one of the weirdest things. But it was so clear. And what I understood, and again, like this, this may not even make sense for some people, but I understood that if I really wanted to commit to this, that I could probably get her to want to be with me. But at the same time, I saw that that's not what I wanted. And she was actually just reflecting back to me what I wanted. Now, this is deep because you've got to be able to see what's happening under the surface here. Okay, the ego is like, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. It's like hungry all the time, right? So in the ego, I'm like, here's this amazing woman. Of course I want her. 
But on a deeper level, I didn't really vibe with her. On a surface level, I was like, she's amazing. On a deeper level, I didn't really vibe with her. And when I was willing to be with the emotional experience that I was having, that's what I got clear about. And that's when I started to understand how worthy I really was that I was in the position of choosing instead of wanting someone else to choose me. That I was actually sitting there going, you know what? Like, I probably could get her to want to be with me, but I don't even want that. And when I was able to get out of my ego long enough to let that sink in, I was able to really wake up to how worthy I am and how much love is actually available. And so what what I started this with was saying that love is not scarce, but it is scarce within that paradigm. Within, and I'll, I'll connect all the dots now, okay? Within the paradigm that I was operating from of I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. She could not want me. I want everybody to hear that. When I was operating from I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. She could not want me. But the moment I could get off of that, I could actually see that, you know what? There is probably some way somehow that she could want me. I could actually see that when I could get out of my ego of I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. And so to go back to Lydia's question about this guy, I'm glad, I'm glad some of you are saying that you relate to this because I, I didn't know if anybody would relate to that. So I love it. I'm, gl- I'm glad that people relate to that. So going back to Lydia's question, I, I, know, I know how difficult this is. I know how challenging it is. But what I want you to do is be with yourself in the experience. Don't, don't turn to him to make you feel better. Be with yourself to feel better. You know, first, be with yourself first, okay? Take 15 minutes and just really sit with it and love yourself. And then after that, you know, maybe go be with some friends. Be with some good people. And then maybe think of something that you want to do that would really light you up and really inspire you and go do that. And then, you know, and then follow that up with something else that's really, really good and start filling your life and your time and your mind with really, really good things. And yes, you'll have moments of loneliness. Love yourself through them. But try to get out of the, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. And just get to, I'm good. I'm good. And then reapproach love from that place. All right. This was a great conversation today. Um, Thank you so much for the questions that people dropped in. To those of you who bought badges, thank you for purchasing badges. Um, just so everybody knows, this is the Conscious Love Show podcast. It's available on all uh, platforms. So you can go to Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, whatever platform you listen to the most. Um, you can go on there. You can find the Conscious Love Show. Um, and each week, these conversations are being recorded as a podcast. 
Um, I do stream live every week on Instagram. So to all of those of you who have been joining me live on Instagram, thank you. You've sent in amazing questions today. I really appreciate you being with me. Um, oh, somebody's asking the title of the book on the ego. It's called A Course in Miracles. A Course in Miracles is the book. It's um, yeah, it's 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 um, less of a book and more of a personal program of study. But if you do a little research on it, you'll be able to figure out what it is. Um, thank you, everybody, for being with me. Lots of love. Go subscribe to the Conscious Love Show podcast and please leave me a review. I'd really appreciate it. Anybody who could leave me a review on there. Um, thanks so much for being with me today. Lots of love to all of you. We'll be back here next Tuesday. Take care. Bye. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.